live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We discuss it all. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. It is time for our men's basketball discussion. I've been looking forward to these session with the women on Monday nights and the men on Tuesday nights. Let me welcome in my co-host. I am Princess Cooper with my co-host, Doug Riley. How are you, sir? How are you doing, Princess? Doing good. Doing good, for sure. Let's welcome in some of our panelists here. Will Harris, welcome to the show. Good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. All right. I know this one, Tony... Never had it so good. Coleman. Hey, Tony Coleman. <laughs> hey there, Princess and my man, Jay. Man, it's so good to hear you tonight. Hey, I can Tony truly Coleman say, for sure. Yeah. I can truly say Happy New Year, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's still time for that for sure. I think yeah. this may be Tommy Pritchett. Let me check in here. Is this Tommy Pritchett? Yes, it is. Good evening, everyone. What's up, Tommy? Hey, Tommy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you, Lord. Hey, spell your name hey, right, man. Tommy. You sure did, David. Thank you, man. <laughs> uh huh. And 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 Tommy, it's all Duck's fault. Now, oh. <laughs> it's all Duck's fault. <laughs> hey, it's no. It wasn't. Hey, believe me, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a problem. Okay. All right. I was just letting you know if it's a problem, it's all on Duck. That's all. <laughs> all right, Duck, we're ready to go. I don't see Ron Spencer yet. Okay. Uh, all right, Princess, start him off. Let me let me see where he is. Okay. All right. Um, well, let's go ahead and start, guys, and just talk open mic with some college basketball. What's on your mind? And, Tony Coleman, I'll start with you. Um, what has been glaring so far to you in our open mic of men's basketball um, for 2023-2024 season? I tell you, um, the the biggest thing that has been on my mind as it relates to, uh, you know, basketball, and not only just basketball, but college sports overall, is NIL, the transfer portal, and all of the, uh, you know, the – the different situations where we have the court rulings over the NCAA, we still got some more trials waiting, some injunctions waiting. You know, yeah. you know this this control thing that the NCAA is trying to, uh, you know, infuse rules to uh, prohibit negotiations, you know, for NIL deals and determining valuations and things of that nature. And uh, currently, right now. Um, they don't have any power. They're powerless right now. So we're going to see what happens, you know, with the rest of these um, uh, court cases that come up. So that's been really heavily, uh, you know, on my mind, just, you know, the direction where everything is going. And I'll just I'll just say this last point that um, I, I believe that eventually there's going to be colleges and universities that are just going to bring in athletes to play sports and it won't even be academia uh, connected. I just believe that that's going to be the ultimate um, ending 
footballers. Wow. I, I don't know if I've ever thought of that. That is a possibility, but you're right because they're now considered not just amateur athletes anymore, correct? Right, correct, correct. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, they're trying to determine whether or not um, these guys are uh, a combination of employees of the school or the NCAA mm-hmm. or, you know, or what have you. Then, you know, you got the collectives and these other um, – these these companies that are offering these deals to uh, the athletes. So there's a, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot involved. And, um, you know, the, you know, the NCAA um, just can't control everything the way that they're trying to, you know, when it comes to all the different levels and, you know, we got so many different schools and, and, um, you know, the level of money that's coming in all these different institutions. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely yeah. the wild, wild west. Tommy Pritchard, what's on your mind about um, basketball, whether it's college basketball or, or the NBA? Um, what are some of your thoughts? With the NCAA, you know what? Hey, Tony, you know, he, he mentioned some of the things that was on my mind too. And you know what? This transfer portal, it's it's got a lot of good coaches fired. It's uh it has got a whole lot of good coaches who quit. You know they don't want to go through this thing. It's a mess. Um, I wouldn't want to be a coach with a lot of transfers coming in and then you trying to get them to play together. And it's been a mess. But um, I agree with everything that that uh, Tony was saying too. You know, I, and I'm just just talking about the transfer portal a little bit. And plus, these reviews, all the reviews. You know, you sit down and watch a game, spend yeah. a lot of time at the table looking at reviews. So games yeah. are lasting a lot longer than what they used to. You know, what they used to uh, last. So, just to mention those two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Will Harris. <laughs> Yeah, we've seen a lot of um, movement in, in the top five in particular. I mean, UConn uh, blows out Marquette. I think it was one of the most lopsided top five matchups in a long time. Then they go on and get blown out by Creighton. I mean, you have Marquette mm-hmm. beat Kansas, who beat uh, Houston, who's number one right now. I'm kind of liking how competitive some of these uh, matchups are. makes the tournament, the conference tournaments coming up, and ultimately the NCAA tournament more exciting. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to go. Let me go see if I can welcome in um, Ron Spencer. Ron Spencer, are you with us? Yes, I am. How's everybody doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Um, What we're talking about is just just open mic and and talk about any issue that we want to discuss with college basketball. I'll let you think about that one, and I'll go. Um, Tony Coleman sent me uh, uh, an article about Rick Pitino and how – He's saying, you know, now uh, the NIL has really gotten out of hand um, as far as he's concerned. And what he's saying is there's some basketball players that he's recruiting who's only looking to get to this level or feeling like this is their last level. So they're coming in and just saying, hey, I need 100000 or I need 200000 you know, or this or that. Um, or even in football, they're third stringers, but, you know, their mama needs 100000 and need it tomorrow. 
Um, you know, can you help me? May, ne- may, may never see the field, but the bag has become so accessible that and, and none of these athletes are embarrassed to ask anymore. And it's not about potential or ability or skill set. Um, it's gotten to that point, and I do think it's going to be the wild, wild west. And I, and I kind of agree with Rick Pitino um, for sure. Tony, I'll let you expound in a little bit if you want to. But, Ron Spencer, anything on your mind about college basketball in the men's section? Yes, I just have to just to, to add to what you're saying there. It, it's so many issues that's going to happen as a, as a, regarding this because people don't understand how to leverage and, and get the maximum out of their abilities. And secondly, it's they're being taken advantage of because they're desperate and need financial resources. And where do they go mm-hmm. after they get those resources? Because in this life, the shelf of life for athletes now is, is diminished. It's not as high as it used to be uh, in the life expectancy. And what do they do? They go out into the system and get in trouble, and, and they become, other than something positive, and productive in society. And I would guarantee you, if you look at it demographically, a lot of these athletes are coming out of uh, low-income areas or socioeconomic areas that have been uh, impacted for years and years and years. And I think the NIL, when it first came out of it, in my opinion, they didn't do all their due diligence, and they should have done some focus groups or something like that or maybe just did a, a pilot somewhere and do some benchmarking mm-hmm. and get some data so they can really come out with a good product. But at the end of the day, these athletes are making these schools a lot of a lot of money, and they just didn't come out with the right model to make this uh, a level playing field and something that's going to be equitable going down the road. So that's what I say on that part. Yeah, but Tony, before I get you in here and then duck, um, I don't. I think the option of staying four years and getting your degree is the last option that they're thinking of. Um, NIL is first, transfer portal is second to get somewhere where they can get more NIL money. But I don't know if the scholarship and the fact that it can be renewed and you can get a a college degree and and get some footing. I don't know if that's high on the totem pole right now. Tony, your your thoughts about what Rick Pitino said and then Duck. Um, I mean, I couldn't agree more with Rick Pitino, you know, as it relates to, you know, a lot of the coaches' attitudes. And, you know, I, I, I um, you know, I'm, I'm just as sick and tired of hearing a lot of these coaches saying, well, you know, this is why, you know, I had to step away because I don't like the fact that, you know, now kids can, you know, actually, uh, you know, get paid for their name, image, and likeness. And uh, I, I think that's a very selfish thing to say. When you're making millions of dollars as a coach, you're able to leave and take a job anywhere else with no penalties, that, you know, whatsoever. And then we start looking at the numbers of kids that are able to make it to the highest level, you know, even coming from high school, you're talking about across the country and, and international, we're talking about over half a million, 500,000, 600,000 athletes. Only 3% is actually getting scholarships and going to school, and only 1% ever make it to the highest level. So that's all, that small percentage, you know, that get a chance to make money and, um, you know, at the professional level to make a living. 
is very small. Um, there's only 5,000 players that ever played in the NBA that say that I was an NBA player. 5,000, a small, very small number. Um, and all the, you know, the, the billions of dollars are being made off of them. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't agree with um, Rick Pitino even, you know, more than that, you know, uh, complaining and stop whining about that. And, oh, man, I don't, you know, come on, you, you know, you weren't whining when you were getting your contract. You weren't whining when, you know, everything was going your way. Now the fact that, you know, it is. And then just to, just to mention this one thing, you know, um, with the NIL, the way it started, it got started is because, you know, the pressure was being put on the NCAA, you know, they, they had lost That's control. Correct. You had Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, you know, all these, all these big um, companies that were uh, just taking control of everything. So the NCAA said, man, we are losing a grip here. We got to try to do something to try to grab a hold of this thing and stop and slow it up. And then when they lost those uh, court cases, hey, uh, if they didn't allow something to happen or change, there would not be a NCAA much longer. So they had to give something up. They had to start, you know, changing their ways and allowing some things to happen because they were going to be extinct. And that's just um, bottom line yeah. right there. Yeah. Okay. Duck? Mm-hmm. Do I have Duck with me? Maybe he's on mute. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. You know, Tommy, uh, Ron, you know, Tony and Will, everybody bring up great points. You know, as far as I'm concerned, the NCAA really don't even exist in football or basketball because right now they, they lost control of everything. So, yeah. you know, you listen to Rick Pitino, you know, my thing is, hey, you got to get with the times or you got to get out like some of the other coaches are doing. And what Tommy's talking about, the, uh, you know, the portal, yeah, it's, it has killed the high school players. And the portal has also killed the portion that we, we feel strongly about, the educational portion, because you you keep transferring from school to school. When are, when are you going to get that piece of paper? Because basketball, we all know, is only going to – any sport is only going to last for so long. So, yeah. right. so the important thing is say, you know, you know, stay with the times, get that education, and move forward, man. You know, that, that you know, like Tony gave you the breakdown of how many people are able to one percent might be able to go to the league. So, to me, that would tell me, hey, I need to get something else going. I need a plan B. Mhm. Exactly. Right. Yes, sir. Exactly. Mhm. Yeah. Right, uh, can I add this? Uh, go ahead. Hey, let me let me just add this other footnote from my side here, and most of y'all touched on it, but uh, when the coaches' contracts come up, who knows beneath the dollars and and the the, the table how much incentive, additional incentive these coaches are getting the. Uh, for having their players wear Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, and all that. And all we're doing is scratching the surface for the athletes. And the athletes, uh, let's face it, they come out of the inner city, 
they are financially in duress, probably on some kind of public assistance and single parenting. And so they have no acumen or no concept of finances and stuff like that. It's just I'm going to take this and run with it. But the life goes on. The coaches get more and more. Then the universities that that save on their scholarships, it's just not right, outright. And, and that's just the way I feel about it. And if I had something to do about it, I would change if I could. Yeah. I, I think before the NIL became legal and the bag became legal, you know, Nike, Under Armour, and all of them, you know, Reebok, they were um, putting up the money and said, hey, you know, um, we'll, we'll leave this bag at the door if you come play for Kansas because that's Nike. Or I don't even know if Kansas is Nike. I'm not sure. But some of this was legal through, you know, those entities coming out of the AAU thing. So it's just been a mess for a while. But now the right. NIL, you know, someone said it. I don't know who said it, but um, they were going to lose control of the NCAA, so they had to relinquish something. So this is what they did, but they didn't think it through. And I agree, they need to have done a, a pilot school or a pilot conference before they release mm-hmm. this, like it is. But here we here we are with it. All right, yeah, Jeff, you want to get ready with what next? Country? Yeah, yeah, and you're right, and and that was a great point Ron brought up about that, but. But now we know that NIL stands for now it's legal, so we're good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> good <with that. laughs> yeah. Okay. Only die. I want to. I want to come to Will. Uh, Will, who's your top five NCAA basketball teams now? Right now, I'll go uh, Houston number one. Hmm. I'll go uh, Purdue, number two, uh, Tennessee, number three, UConn, four, Marquette, five. Okay. All right. Uh, coming to you, Tony, who you got? Who's your top five? Uh, my top five, um, and I'm coming straight from the AP poll. Uh, <laughs> I just so happen, so you know, I agree with them, you know, just based on – you know, the way these guys have been playing in conference, in the conference positionings and the quad one wins. Uh, Houston, number one. UConn, number two. Purdue, number three. Uh, Iowa State, um, number four. And then Tennessee at the fifth the fifth spot uh, as my top five. Uh, is out of the hours 36, the AP poll. Okay. And they, uh, they, go ahead. I was just going to say that they base that on um, they have an evaluation system um, that they use, and they base it on that. But they also have been playing really well. Okay. Uh, Princess, who's your top men, the top five? Um, Duck, I really like Houston at, at number one, and I think they are in the, the AP poll. Um, I like that that guard sheared sheared for sure. Um, he he's one of my favorites, and then I like Sharp. Um, I have UConn at number two. I like their guard um, combo. I have Tennessee at number three. Um, I, I just think they have that running formula um, for sure, and I and I like that young man who's hitting the threes on the outside, Dalton Crick, I think is his name. I have um, Purdue at number four. Um, even though they have that seven-footer Edie, it, they just seem to still not show up in some games. Um, um, for, um, and, and, and that's important to me. you got to have consistency. And somebody's going to get hot 
the closer we get to March Madness and even in March Madness. Um, my ceremonial number five is North Carolina, and I'm just giving a shout-out to Davis and Baycott, who I think are in their kids, North Carolina. And then um, in, in honorary, um, Auburn, because they have nine players that are averaging over 20 minutes a game. Um, that's nine deep, and they're getting some good coverage there. So that's my honorary number six pick. Okay. All right, Ron Spencer, who you got for us? What five? Yes, sir. I wish I could say the West Virginia Mountaineers, but I can't go down that road. So oh, oh Lord, have mercy. Another Mountaineer. I won't subject you all that punishment. I, I like Houston in the number one spot, but I'm going to do a little switch here. Uh, I like uh, UConn is number two. I like Badu because that big man, like I say, he hasn't shown up the last couple of games, but I think he's a force to be reckoned with. And Tennessee, mm-hmm. and then I've got North Carolina coming out, climbing out of the bottom at the top five, and they're going to be peaking around <laughs> it, around March Madness. So I have to go with you on that about the North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. All right, Tommy, what you got for us, Tommy? Well, this this is my top five. You know, I, I got UConn as number one. Um. Even though they lost recently, I still like the way they play. Plus, they've been there before. Uh, number mm-hmm. two, I've got Houston. Uh, Purdue at number three. Uh, number four, I've got <clears throat> Tennessee slash Arizona. I didn't make up my mind which one I wanted to put in that fourth position, but those are the two teams there for me. And i got North Carolina at number five. I'm just hoping that <clears> – <throat> Baycock can play a little bit better than what he's playing. I expected I expected a little bit more from him this year, but so far he's not producing like I thought he would. But those are my top five. Okay, I want to tell me. I want to throw a twist with, in here. I'm sorry. Ahead. I'm gonna throw a twist in here. I'm gonna have to put the the South Carolina women's Gamecocks in there. <laughs> 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 Them women are tough, boy. Ooh, are they tough? They are tough. They are, man. <laughs> you know, hey, look, you see, hey, talk, uh, you see, Ron, nobody debated you on that. I know they didn't. I know. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stay with you, uh, Tommy, because I'm, what teams do you think are on the bubble for March Madness besides West Virginia? Who else? <laughs> well, it's a few teams. You know what? I got I've got Providence, uh, Gonzaga, Wake Forest, Kansas State, Seton Hall, Texas A and M, Nebraska, and I I included Virginia, but <clears throat> I don't know about Virginia. But you know, all of these teams got some important games going down the stretch. So I think a few of these are being eliminated during that time. But those those are the lists that I had. Okay. All right. Uh Princess, what about you, Princess? Who who's on the bubble for you? West Virginia. Um and they're on the outside looking in. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you know what? My list is not that far from Tommy's. Texas A&M, Kansas State, um, uh, uh, Providence for sure. 
Um, Texas is on the bubble. I've been following them um, a, a lot. So, um, and I'm not too sure that that the Florida Gators are, aren't on the bubble too. Um, and maybe on the outside looking in, I think they're at 20 and seven there um, because most of the teams that we're talking about have nine, 10, and 11 losses. So Texas A&M, K-State, um, Texas themselves, Providence, Seton Hall. Okay. Will, what you got for us, Will? Who's on the bubble? Yeah, I think Virginia is. I mean, they were largely considered a lock a few weeks ago, but they've kind of had back-to-back losses. Now a bad one to Virginia Tech. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Providence, I think, is another one. Uh, Wake Forest, you know, they just had a good win uh, the other day, but still think they need to um, finish strong to get in. I'll say uh, Texas A&M, Colorado, and uh, Gonzaga. Okay. All right. Uh, Tony, what you got for us? Okay, the bubble people. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, just based on uh, this at this point in time of the year, we still got you know a lot of games to play. But right now, I, I have Villanova, man. They're on the bubble. They're like fifteen and twelve. Uh, wow. Texas A&M. Heard a couple people mention them. They're fifteen and twelve. You know, Butler fifteen and twelve. You know, you know, you're not getting no at large bid, and it don't look like you're going to win the conference either. Uh, James Madison, uh, Colorado, Seton Hall is in trouble. Um, and uh, I think uh, yeah, the, the last one I have listed is uh, is Providence. Um, they're all in trouble if they don't get on a, a, a winning streak or or find a way to to win the conference to get that you know automatic bid. They're in trouble. Villanova's in trouble. Okay, Ron, yeah, who's on the you ball? Guys, you guys just either taking my notes from me or whatever, man. This, this <laughs> stuff ain't right here. I've got the – if I ask West Virginia, I, I'll have pretty much what Tommy had. Uh, and, and so that's that's the teams that Tommy named is what is what I'm figuring too. So good pick, Tommy. You, you're cheating off me again as always, buddy. <laughs> well, hey, that's what teammates think a lot. I think, think I know, the same man. Thing. Yeah, and and and, and Tommy, keep my nickname to yourself, okay? He already, he already, he already told us. We already know. He did. Oh, <laughs> Tommy, man, how could you? No, no I didn't. I didn't. That's my man. Tommy's Tommy's my buddy. I can't go wrong with that. Uh, All right, Ron, let let me stay with you. How about let's rank the conferences? Oh, man. Let's see here. I'm going to say the SEC is going to produce the most Top seeds, I think. And then you got the, oh, man, what's the Arizona Pac-10? Arizona will be the, yeah, they're the Pac-10 right now, but they're going to be the Big Ten. 
Uh, let me come back. I got my whiteboard up here in my office. Let me come back. You get, let me come back. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some right. science, some scientific pick here. All right, here we uh, go. All right, Tommy, help him out, Tommy. What we got? Ranking conferences. You, you know what? I got the Big Twelve listed as the best conference. The SEC is next. The Big the Big Ten is is third. The Big East, the ACC, Pac-12. Wow. Okay. All right, Will, what you got for us? Yeah, we'll go with the Big 12. One, you got a, with a Houston, Iowa State, um, Kansas. I'll go with them at number one. I'll go with the SEC uh, second. I'll go Big Ten third, and I'll go Mountain West four. They've had a pretty strong run this year. Okay. All right. What about you, Princess? I know Doc, you don't. Um, just yeah, just because um, my team is in the SEC, I'm going to put the SEC as the the top conference, and then I'll go Big Twelve, um, ACC, Pac Ten, and then. Um, I think I'll use number five is with the Mountain West, but um, yeah, I'm going SEC first. So I think they're going to have the most teams come into March Madness for sure. Okay. Here, here we go, uh, Tony. What you got? Okay, I, I, I put a list together of my of my top ten. Um, but just a couple points before I say that top ten, uh, the Pac-12 and ACC. They've dominated um, as as the two conferences with the most uh, conference titles or championships, and then um, the two, uh, the SEC and the ACC, they've they've um, dominated in terms of the most NBA produced players to go into the league. So, ACC is there in both of those uh, categories, and SEC and Pac-12. But uh, starting from my top ten, I said that the number one conference is the SEC. I think they're the toughest. Uh, number two, I have ACC. Uh, number three is, is the Pac-12. Number four is the Big 12. Number five, Big 10. Number six is the Big East. I went with Mountain West for number seven. Number eight is West Coast. Number nine, Atlantic 10. And I had to give uh, the HBCU some run, and I picked the NEAC. As number ten, my top. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, 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 Tony, you my boy, man. But I don't know what what games <laughs> you've been watching. <laughs> what in the world? All right, man. All right, I'm, I got to move on to Ron. Ron, what you got for us now? Tony, the messed us up, man. <laughs> I thought Tony was pretty good. What? You know, you guys don't like the me yet. <laughs> No, this is true. one through nine. We'll take the tenth one. That's correct. <laughs> oh my my my. Well, I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something different. I don't think there's going to need to go all the way to ten. You know, the rest of the team they're going to yeah. be at home watching this stuff, and so I'm going to go ACC, Pac-12. The SEC, the Ivy League. Nobody, nobody supports the Ivy League schools. Some good average. 
good athletes. See, I, I, you guys, I go look in the weeds. I go down to the grassroots level, the Big Ten. Then you got the uh, uh, the Big Twelve, as I said, and one for a little bit out there in the Mountain West. But that's as far as I'm going to go because you guys are just on fumes out there, man, trying to. Figure this. I, you may. I used to go to Ohio Valley. Write this down, man. Ron Spencer said. <laughs> Ohio Valley. Okay. Missouri. Yeah, you guys. You guys okay. go to the top. Not people, man. Go down. You know what, Ron? Cinderella conferences out there. Ron, we're gonna put you right with Tony. Okay, you guys are doing a great job. All right. Now we. All right, Tommy. You you back up again, Tommy. Let's, okay. let's talk NBA. Let's, let's, what's your thoughts on the NBA this year? Well, I haven't gotten past that. That All-Star game just messed me up. The, the dunk contest. You know what? Right now, I think they should eliminate all of it. Um, you know, don't nobody want to play an All-Star game. Um. They would rather they don't be want to play defense. No, they they don't, and and a lot of them don't want to play because they they're afraid of getting hurt. Right. And I can right. understand that too. You know, um, it's it's just the last few years that I, I I haven't gotten anything from it for the last. Matter of fact, this year I didn't even watch it. Uh, the the dunk contest. Something needs to be done about that too, because as I was watching that, that kid from Gate City, Virginia, he he uh, he he had a dunk that I've never saw anybody do. It's when he took it off off of uh, it, it was either Shaq somebody's head, but when he <laughs> got up top, he let the ball go. And caught it again and dunked oh, yeah. it backwards. Now, see, yeah. I've never saw. I've been watching dunk contests a long time, but I've never saw anybody do anything like that. And I think they gave him maybe a forty-six or a forty-seven for that. But yeah, yes. Um, and that's the way it's been for a long time. You know, a lot of guys have had really nice dunks, but haven't gotten the score that they deserve. I think some changes need to be uh, done with that, too. And I'm going to leave it at that because there's a lot of things that I see going on in the NBA that, that uh, I have question marks about. But the All-Star Game and the dunk contest is just two of the things I wanted to mention. Hey, hey Tommy, okay. you didn't mention, Tommy, you didn't mention about what happened to ML Carr and Grace. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, this here I can't. I'd be remiss if I. Tommy might add to it. We played when Tommy and I played in college together. We played against ML Carr, and we had this guy from Dundalk High School. I think he was six eight, and we called him Grapes was his nickname, and he wore glasses. And when it was all said and done, ML Carr dunked on him, and his glasses was all down by his ankles, his eyeglasses and stuff. So, <laughs> isn't that right, Tommy? Hey, he he put it on. He, he put it on. The hey, I'm gonna tell you, it was so bad that we were laughing so hard 
<laughs> the coach came down and threatened everybody on the bench to stop laughing. He said, if you don't stop laughing, we're going to run suicides after the game is over. <laughs> you, you could hear a pin drop then. Yeah, but yeah, you got you guys. Yeah, you guys know ML Carr is. He he called. He played for Boston Celtics, didn't he? ML Carr. Yeah, he did. But at the same time, they had uh, World B Free on the same team with ML Carr. They were real tough that year. So. Hey, I'm sorry, yeah. Doug. We didn't mean to tell me that I didn't mean to go down memory lane, but we just couldn't resist. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, we're going to bring Princess in. NBA thoughts, Princess. Um, I, I think it's kind of panned out. You know, they are who we thought they were. I, I didn't think Phoenix was going to be better with bringing in Bradley Beal. He's done the same thing he's done each season, and that is, you know, miss 30 games. Um, I, I thought the cream of – the East was going to be Boston, and it's kind of played out that way. I want to see what adding game time to the Bucks will, will be. Um, my, my team is the Lakers, and they've just not proven that they, they're going to be their last standing in, in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and, and I think Denver probably comes out of there, but, that, you know, the one team that we didn't, anticipate was Harden going to the Clippers. I, I think they look really good, and they've been, you know, that top three with George and Kawhi and Harden are really starting to play together. So those are the, you know, the cream of the crop right there. Um, I guess I didn't mention Minnesota, who's who's sitting at the top. But I think, you know, Denver and um, the Clippers out of the West and Boston and Milwaukee out of the East are probably the, the ones that I think are going to be there at the end. Okay, uh, Will. Yeah, we're seeing the youth movement. You got Minnesota, number one in the West, uh, Oklahoma City, uh, second place in the West. Uh, Sacramento, I mean, they fell back a little bit, but they're still uh, well in the mix, not far behind. Then you go to the uh, Eastern Conference, and you got Cleveland, uh, Indiana, and Orlando all fighting for playoff spots. So it's good to see these young players finally stepping up and see this uh, change another guard across the league. Okay. Did we? Ron. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go almost in, in the same in the same order as, as the previous folks here. I like Boston in the East, and, and Philly's competitive too. Uh, on the West Coast, I see Denver is – just, I've mean, just been very impressed with Denver and their sustainability and everything. And I think Phoenix is coming online a little bit. But I'm looking at uh, – uh, the the Celtics and the 76ers out of the East and the Denver Nuggets and the Clippers. The Clippers are gelling too, so that's that's my pick. All right, Tony. You know what? I'm I'm going to uh, kind of piggyback a little bit on what Tommy was saying when it came to All Star Weekend. I thought that was horrible. But one other thing, I want to make sure I tell you too. I know you did. You never seen that dunk before, but I'm going to send you one of my highlight tapes, and I'm going to show you that uh, <laughs> I did that, you know, back in the day. And uh, so, uh, just want you to know that someone else did that. That dunk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're not talking about, <laughs> hey, you're not talking about jumping off a trampoline. 
Hey, I'm interested to see it. I'm interested to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on, on, on a serious note, though, I agree with you, Tommy. I, I thought that the All-Star Weekend was a bust. Um, what really gets me, you know, especially as a you know, former player and coach, the lack of defense, man. It's like these guys, they just don't play defense, not only in the All-Star game, but they don't even play defense during – the regular season games. No one plays defense. How are these guys getting 60, 70, 80 points? I mean, on like a regular basis. I mean, I remember, man, and I'm sure everyone on this line can remember back in the day, man, you, you're not getting 30 on me tonight. I'm, I'm going to chop your arm off before you get 30 points on me, let alone get 60 and 70. And it's just ridiculous. Yep. And, uh, um, yep. Too many gimmicks. I think it's just too many gimmicks, um, and it's, I think that's getting out of control. Um, I thought you could have. Then the other thing is McClung. I've watched him play close up a couple of years, and he can actually really play. He can really play, you know, because he's been on the uh, you know the with the Sixers roster, you know, and you know playing in the G League. But how can you have a guy that's a G League player? winning the slam dunk contest in the NBA and can't get a contract. That doesn't make any sense to me. Nobody can pick him up as the 12th guy, you know, sit down on the bench, you know, waving a towel. I mean, like, I know that he's a lot better than a lot of guys that's on a roster. I think that's just crazy. It's bizarre that he can be winning these dunk contests but can't make a roster with any team in the league. And then the other thing, the other point that I wanted to make, and please, please don't take this the wrong way. I don't mean this to sound sexist, but when Stephanie and uh, Steph Curry did the three-point shooting contest, man, I was like, Steph, you can't lose, man. You <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't lose. You can't okay. lose. If you lose, you're toast. You're toast. You're, you're toast. You go to the locker room and you're toast, man. And oh, I think, yeah. oh man, I, I think it should be separate. Keep, I mean, keep the women going against. I, I think Stephanie should go against, you know, Katie, you know, Katie Clark when she come in the league, you know, uh, next year, you know, they saying like for them to come back and do it again. I said no, keep it separate. Well, you know, can they create a WNBA All Star Weekend so they can, you know, compete against each other and build their league up, you know, and have. And so what have, you're um, saying is, is that. A woman beating a man in the three-point contest at the NBA All-Star weekend would have been just detrimental to the whole league, and he couldn't have lived it lived it down in the in the locker room. When 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 you hear the when you hear the conversation about <laughs> Steph Curry is the greatest shooter, that's why that's why I'm I'm really I really don't want it to sound like I'm trying to be sexist. But all <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm not I'm not being serious here. It's okay. Yeah, yeah I, I I completely get it. Yeah. Yeah, all, you know, all the conversations, you know, we yeah, hear. And, and, and yeah, and Tony, you correct, but I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I you know, I, she would have beat some of the guys. <laughs> oh, I oh, yeah. she would. Yeah, she can run right. out. She was the ball. I mean, she can really shoot the ball. But I would like to see her go again. But, you know, this was Steph Curry. You know, I 
I don't know if I would have went out there and done that if I was him. He put himself on the line. He couldn't. If he would he have did lost, that, yeah, he put himself on the line. Mm-hmm. He put his wow, legacy man, on the line. He put his legacy on the line. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and one every, con- every conversation. Yeah, he barely won. Every conversation, Steph Curry is the greatest shooter to ever shoot, to ever play the game. You know, that's all you hear. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter to ever shoot the game in the history of the game. We ain't never seen nobody. He's changed the game. You know, I mean, that's all you hear. And then you, if you come, you have Steph, you come out there and knock you off on All Star Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you, you, know who they, you know who, hey, look, I ain't trying to be funny. You know who they should have brought out there? I know he changed his name from Chris Jackson. He would have been able yeah, he could shoot too. Jackson. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm I'm going to throw, some, some, throw something out that's going to be very controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway, and that is this. I think and have always thought that the three-point shot, when you look at LeBron's record, breaking, breaking Jabbar's record and all that, I think records sometimes have an asterisk by them because the NBA didn't start the three-point shot to, what, 1979, 1986, I think. And so when you look at guys like Tissa Pete and all those guys, David Thompson, all those guys who shot way past that mark, I think it should still be pre doing the two-point prior to and after the three-point shot was installed. Should, those scoring records should always be intact is what I feel about that. I feel very strongly about that, too. Okay. So what if we take oh, I... LeBron's record in and the uh, magnifying glass, hey, if we take away all the three-point shots and make him two points and he still exceeds Kareem, are you okay with him then? Oh, that, that's, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that, but I think if you compare okay. apples to apples, it's just like, and I can, I know this, we're talking about basketball, but we'll we have a football show later on uh, at some point. If you talk about Jim Brown and playing 12 games or 10 games. And the Nine games. games. Nine. Nine games. And you look at that, that's not to me, uh, I know we can't solve it on this show right now, but i got to get a meeting with uh, Goodell and, and the guy in the NBA that make these changes. But, <laughs> but I just think that those guys add so much. And, and we, the, these current athletes came along on their backs is the way I look at it. And you to take away something that's been standing for so long, uh, I think it should well, be an asterisk about it. Yeah. That's just what and, I think. Well, I'm going to be controversial about- here as the only woman. Um, Jim Brown threw women over the balcony. So. Okay, now we're talking about a different subject matter here. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. And one, no, we won't have a no. show. We're going to talk show allegedly one time. Allegedly. <laughs> hey, and Ron, you were right. Uh, it was 12 games. I was just talking about Jim Brown with nine seasons. All right, let's yeah, get back on yeah. track and uh, hit back okay. with uh, – I want to come back to uh, Will. Doc Rivers with the Bucks. What what you what you thinking right now? That was a bit of a panic move. I mean, they were still well within the race for first place in the East. Um, when you add two superstars like that together, you know, you change the team, you lose Drew Holiday, you add uh, Damian Lillard. It's going to take time for those guys to gel. So you wouldn't expect them to come out before the All-Star break, just dominating the league right right off the bat. 
I thought they were real impatient with their previous coach. So now midseason you have this transition, expecting Doc Rivers to turn it around, which that's going to be a difficult task in itself. So I thought they should have at least let the previous coach finish the year, see if the team could gel together, make a run after the all-star break. Because all it takes is a winning streak, and you're you know, right back first place in control of the East. So it'll be a tough battle for them, I don't think. I mean, it's going to be challenging for them to get over teams like Boston and Philadelphia in the playoffs. Okay, uh, Princess, right move for the Bucs? Um, I, I I thought when Doc Rivers went into the season and didn't have a job and was with the ESPN that something was going to happen and he was going to get a position and it happened to be the Bucks. But I really want to come from another direction, um, Duck and everybody, and that is that Giannis is the one that precipitated this. He stopped listening to this coach. As a matter of fact, the coach was calling plays in the huddle, and he would get on the court and call another one. Or in the huddle, he would sit on the sidelines and, and you know, and sit away from the team. This was Giannis doing for sure. And I don't know what happened with him and this coach, and I think he had a lot to do with the previous coach. So in, in, in the instance of this, you know, you're not going to fire, you know, 12 guys. You're going to go ahead and get rid of the coach who – seems to not be um, interacting with them. But if you're saying this is um, the right move, I don't think so. Um, but Doc, Doc was the best out there, and, and maybe it will work out in the end. Um, you know, he did go back into Philadelphia and beat them. But, yeah, panic move. But I think um, and Giannis has a lot to do with this. And, and um, now that he's a superstar and won a championship, his voice matters in that locker room and in that franchise. Okay, I'm coming to you, Tony. Uh, Prince has brought up something interesting. Uh, you got Doc Rivers versus the the Seventy Sixers. Was that was that a a quick move by the Sixers, or was that long overdue? You know, I think we all saw the writing on the wall when it you know it came to Philadelphia. You know, uh, they just had to get past that second round. They just couldn't do it. Um, you know, adjustments that, you know, as as we watch the game, we, you know, thinking that should should have been made. But, you know, these guys, these pros, uh, and I got to agree with um, Precious too, you know, with um, these players are doing what they want to do out on the floor. And I think sometimes Doc Rivers give too much freedom. Like he'll act, matter of fact, this just happened recently with the Bucks. He was asking guys like, "Where do you, where do you want the ball? Where do you want to get the ball? Like, where do you feel most comfortable with the ball?" And he was talking to Giannis, and Giannis said, "No, you know, you know, wherever you want me to go, you know, wherever you want me to go, coach. You know, you're the coach. Where, where, where you know, wherever you want me to be, I'm going to be there." But he said, "No, I need to know where you like it, and you know, where you wanted that, so I can create things so that you can get it where you feel you feel comfortable with the ball." And I think. Uh, as um, Princess was saying, I think that was a big part of, uh, you know, the separation of Adrian Griffin. And I felt bad because I, I had the opportunity to get to know Adrian. Uh, I met him some years ago at the NBA Summer League, and you know, he kind of like stayed in touch with him, man. And I liked him, man. I, tra- I watched his sons come up and they're in the league and everything like that. And uh, I thought he was a really nice guy. I just I felt bad for him because they were doing so well, 
I mean, you know, the record was outstanding, uh, but, you know, we all know in, in, in this game, this business, you know, the players, the franchises, man, those guys, when, you know, they don't like something, the coach is going to go before, you know, uh, a player. So it's unfortunate for Adrian. I'm sure he'll bounce back. But uh, anyway, I think, uh, you know, uh, and, and, you know, Princess was right about Doc is probably, you know, one of the best guys out there and uh, that can come in right away who was actually mm-hmm. following them. So this was something that I believe that they were thinking about a long time, way before they did it. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 because I, I, I got to get Tommy and Ron in here. Tommy, uh, real quick, uh, what happens if uh, the Bucks get bounced in the first round? You know, that could happen. <clears throat> you know, Doc, Doc to the Bucks. That's, that's, his success is that's to be determined. You know, he 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 brings a lot of experience to the to that organization. Doc has been on the bench for a long time as a player and a coach. He's been over there. He had, a person that spends that much amount of time on the bench has a lot of knowledge. He's learning from a a, a lot of positions. But he was, you know what, he was hired to improve the defense and to bridge that gap between um, Milwaukee and the Celtics slash 76ers. That's what he was he was brought in to do. But, you know, they brought in Dane, which was a good acquisition, but they lost Holiday. They let him go to the Celtics. Holiday was a big part of that team. And they don't have Chris Milton, who is another big part of that team. And I don't think that they're going to do well with Dane not on the floor playing the minutes that he plays because Dane don't play defense like Holiday did. And they don't get the scoring that uh, they got from Milton while he's on the floor. So, you know what, if Doc can come up with a plan with those guys not being there, we'll see. I I, I don't know. Doc Doc has coached some good players. You know, he's had good players on his bench, and he still didn't win at all. So we'll see. It's up in the air right now with me. Okay. Uh, Ron, were you surprised by the the move by Milwaukee bringing Doctor Bullitt on board. Yeah, I, I I wasn't really, and here's my thought process. Doc won a NBA championship with the Celtics, so he's got that blue collar type of attitude, and he knows how the East works. When they took him to the West Coast, I think the West Coast are more laid back, and not to say they're not good basketball players and everything out there. It's just that I think that. The, the Bucks were looking at maybe he could be the savior, but someone made a comment earlier about uh, the why they bought him in. I think if the star player doesn't like the coach, it's almost like what Magic Johnson did with the Lakers. I think it was Sherman. I'm trying to think of the coach's name that, that they ousted out there and bought in Pat Riley uh, when they start winning out there. I think they are, the Bucks are hoping that Doc can turn around. He does have a lot of, like Tommy said, he does have a lot of, of uh, time on the bench, and he's he was a pretty good player himself. So 
he's a winner, and I guess they're hoping that will will um, spill down to the players and he can get some respect. One thing you remember, when you ask a person where do they want the basketball, they take ownership then. So if Doc directs it and say, I gave you what you wanted, what's the return on my investment? So, again, it goes down to uh, how he can turn that thing around, but right now it's off to a slow start. Okay. All right, Princess, take us home, Princess. This was awesome, gentlemen. Thank you for getting this first episode in in here. I apologize for last week. We had some technical difficulties with Tony Coleman. Thank you so much. Will Harris, thank you. Duck Riley, Tommy Pritchard, and Ron Spencer. It's, it's great to have you on, have a new addition to, to the family. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you. It was a great time. Awesome. All right, so we'll see you next week. And for all the Mountaineers, this song is for you. Country road, take me home. Oh, boy. To the place. <laughs> hey, Read.